Hello everyone, this is Gary Smith, your host of Psychedelical X, and today I would like to introduce you to two things. One, a handy internet-based research tool that I use in my law practice, but also use for non-law research, and also I want to introduce you to a book. So first, let me give you the research tool because we're going to use that to find the book. And I'm giving you a shot of my web browser here. And if you follow along, I'm going to take you to Internet Archive. And you can search for that uh, using any search engine, or you can just type its domain name, archive.org. And I chose to do a search just so you'd see that you could do that. We're going to go ahead and click on Internet Archive. And let me give you a quick tour of the opening screen here for the homepage because there's actually two different things to search and they're both tremendous tools. Uh, the top one, which I'll show you first, which we're not going to use today, but I'll tell you about it anyway, is called the Wayback Machine. And this is so incredibly handy for a number of different purposes, but I use it principally in my law practice. And here's what Wayback Machine is. Uh, the folks who support Wayback Machine basically take snapshots of the entire internet, like somehow literally all of it. The way you use the Wayback Machine, you'll enter a domain name and you can go searching for archives of websites that might still exist or no longer exist, but there are snapshots of those websites still stored on Wayback Machine. So if a website's completely gone, you can go find old copies of it but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about the second part of the home screen of Internet Archive, and that is this search engine here. And as you see from each of these little individual icons, there is a ridiculous amount of data deposited on the Internet Archive that includes websites, full books, movies, uh, there's audio recordings, there's television shows, there's computer software, there's artwork and images, there are concerts, and there are even collections. But if you just want to search and you're not sure necessarily which of these to choose to go searching on specifically, not a problem. Just enter your search here in the main search box 
or if you really want to dial down and get a very specific search, you can click on advanced search too. But today we're really just going to focus on a very simple search so that I can introduce you to this fantastic tool. And then what we'll do is take a look at a book that we're going to go search for right now. So let's go ahead and do a search. So we're going to look for a book called seven sisters of sleep. Now mind, I'm not restricting the search, so it's going to look in every one of these different databases for any iteration of any of these words. So it'll look for seven, it'll look for sisters, it'll look for sleep. So let's go ahead and hit go. Give it a moment. And you'll see that the search turned up 84 results. And it's a variety of different products that have bounced back in response to our search. And it includes books, there are audio files, there are pictures. Uh, here is a movie clip. You name it. There's all sorts of stuff here. And I would encourage you play with Internet Archive and you will find outrageous amounts of stuff on here for free. And that's the beauty of Internet Archive. With almost no exception, everything on here is either public domain or has had license or rights granted so that people using Internet Archive can access a, a literal library's worth of data at no cost. And it's available 24-7 all around the world. But today we're going to focus on the one thing we came looking for, which is this wonderful book here, Seven Sisters Asleep. Let's go ahead and click on that. Wait for it to open up. All right, and there is the closed book copy. And what you're seeing is that this book was digitally imaged inclusive of the cover. And let's go ahead and max out the screen. There are some options here at the bottom so you can change your view, including going down to one page or two page view or even multi-page thumbnail. Uh, if there is embedded audio, this internet archive will actually read the book to you. That's kind of handy. Uh, you can zoom in and out, and then there's also full screen. And let me scroll down first before we go there, just to show you some of the data about this book. So as you can see, it's authored by a gentleman by the name of Mordecai Cook, and the actual original publication date of this book, and also the copy we're looking at on the screen here today, is 1860. And it was originally published in London, and indeed Mordecai Cook was English. Uh, I say was because he's dead now. Um, but during his lifetime, Mordecai had a fascinating, fascinating experience. He started off as a law clerk, but had an absolute passion for botany and more importantly, mycology. And that was where he spent the bulk of his career studying botany and mycology and publishing several books on those subjects. However, Seven Sisters of Sleep is far and above his best book and most popular book. And you'll notice that it's subtitled Popular History of Seven Prevailing Narcotics in the World. Um, Technically speaking, not everything he's talking about in his book are narcotics, but during his lifetime, this was how the term was used. So with that said, let me go back now to the book and let me max it out on the screen as much as possible. All right, that's as big as it's going to get on this screen. And let's flip in a page or two so we can take a look at the interior. 
And you'll see this is a beautiful, beautiful rendering of an original text from 1860. And it's nice that it survived in such a terrific condition to be photographed. And you can, again, you grab this for free. You can access it at no cost to you. That being said, there are new editions of this printed. You can get them uh, from various book retailers, including Amazon. I, I have seen it available in paperback on Amazon, I think for less than $10. So if you wanted to actually own a physical copy, that's possible as well. But nonetheless, again, I brought you to Internet Archive so you could see that there is a ton of material you can get for free and enjoy from the comfort of your home. So let's flip in a little more. Uh, there's a dedication here, and you can see that this particular book passed through a number of libraries, uh, including apparently a medical library, which makes perfect sense because it's exactly the right sort of text for that. And then I also want to pause for a moment and look at the dedication because this, this is a killer dedication. And from 1860, no less, this tells you that in that time frame of roughly 160 years ago, the world was a way different place regarding a variety of these drugs. And you'll notice that Cook leads with tobacco. Back in Cook's day, tobacco was everywhere and everything. But then he goes on and talks about hashish, uh, which, as you know, is a concentrated form from a cannabis plant. And then he refers to the votaries of stratomonium and henbane. Henbane is another hallucinogen. It's regarded as a deliriant, and everything I've ever read about henbane, it, it'll really mess you up. But back in, in Cook's day, henbane was a popularly used drug. And then he, he ends with also what I think is terribly interesting, uh, a hat tip to Amanita, which is uh, Amanita muscaria mushroom, which like psilocybin, is a mushroom and is hallucinogenic, but unlike psilocybin, contains a completely different chemical. And Amanita was very popular in Europe in Cook's day and still popular today, albeit not as popular. So that said, let's flip in a few more pages and take another little peek. So we're going to skip by his premonition chapter. So this is the table of contents for Seven Sisters of Sleep. And probably the best way to describe this book, it's kind of a survey of seven of the most popular drug plants of the Victorian era, which is, again, when Cook lived. Again, these are described as narcotics, but really, technically speaking, not all of them are. So the, the plants that Cook goes into in these chapters include tobacco, opium, cannabis, betel nut, coca, datura, and fly agaric. And as you can tell from the, the, the list, tobacco, plainly not a narcotic. Uh, cannabis is not a narcotic. Uh, opium, of course, is the original narcotic. Um, coca is cocaine, source of cocaine. That's not a narcotic. Datura, same thing, and fly agaric, which is another name for the Amanita mushroom. So there is a bit of a misnomer if you're judging this book by today's standards. But back in Cook's day, kind of like every drug was sort of blanketly labeled narcotic, much in the same way that if you go around the United States in some regions, 
uh, a colloquialism to refer to any sort of carbonated beverage would be to call it Coke. Uh, even though maybe you're not drinking a Coke, you might be drinking a Pepsi or a 7-Up or a Brut Beer. Uh, it's still normal in some communities to order a Coke and then tell them what flavor you want. So in that sense, you'll have to forgive Cook if, if you disagree with his nomenclature. Now, additional interesting things inside of this book include that Cook is actually kind of a funny writer. Uh, he does take quotes from some poets. So here, very top of chapter one, he's quoting Coleridge, who is also known for having written Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. But Cook doesn't stop at just a survey of the book. He talks about the efforts in his day to suppress and to eliminate use of some of these substances. You might be able to relate to that in the modern day because a lot of these are still with us and a lot of the same arguments are kicked around. But by way of example, the extremity of some of the steps to which societies went in order to arrest drug use in their days is fascinating. For example, Cook talks a bit about how in the Russian Empire, people who used tobacco would be mutilated, physically mutilated. At the same time, the Pope would excommunicate tobacco users back in his day. Uh, I am certainly seen my share of people kicked out of rooms for lighting up a cigarette. I, I've never seen anybody excommunicated or had parts of their body chopped off for making the attempt. Cook also talks about early cannabis use. He talks about both the cannabis plant as well as its concentrated form of hashish and discusses things like how in, in a period of time in Egypt, your punishment for using hashish was to have your teeth torn out of your head. So if anybody is upset these days about hashish or cannabis maybe not being welcomed everywhere, just be grateful you didn't live, for instance, of Egypt uh, 500 years ago. In its time, Seven Sisters of Sleep was a wildly popular book and even went on to influence other writers, such as Lewis Carroll, who you can absolutely see elements of Seven Sisters of Sleep referenced in Alice in Wonderland. Now, I've advanced to chapter three. This is Cook's cannabis chapter. And I advanced here because I wanted to show you some of the text to get you a little accustomed to Cook's writing style and the topic. Again, keep in mind, he's writing in 1860, and the use of language in Cook's day is different than the use of language today. But for most, it's not as difficult as, say, trying to read a Shakespearean play, but it is a little dated and, and can be a little tough to follow. But I think it's readable and I think it's enjoyable, not just for the content and not just for the writing style, but also the historical information that you're going to get from this text. So you'll notice that Cook starts off with a greeting to people of the Islamic faith, who in Cook's day were called Mohammedans as a reference to Muhammad and people who followed Muhammad. But understand, we're simply talking about people of the Islamic faith. 
And the reason Cook is approaching the Islamic faith first is because the Arab world is, at that time, the place where a lot of hashish originates from, and, and this is how hashish came into the Western world, is through the Arab world. And here on the second page, I just wanted to read this one paragraph again to give you a flavor for it. So Cook writes, Happy Muslim, you have solved the mystery and your heart feels no doubt. But Christian dogs despairingly sigh for some revelation from the past, whether through history or tradition of the first use of this plant. In vain we inquire who it was that first conceived and put in practice the idea of burning the large leaves of a weed and drawing in the smoke to spit it out again. Who it was that discovered pleasure or amusement in tickling the nose with that titillating dust to enjoy the luxury of a sneeze or find employment in blowing it out again. Ye shades of heroes departed that hover around the pine woods of the Saskatchewan, sail over the rolling prairies of Illinois, or roaming along the strands of Virginia, tell us to what illustrious progenitor of Cree or Mohawk we are to accord the honor of a discovery more popular than any since the day when Adam delved and Eve span. It's just a fascinating read, and I hope you enjoy this book. I certainly have. I think it's a terrific insight into the world of these different substances, and I believe you're going to read about things that you might never have heard of before. For example, most people in the West don't really encounter the betel nut, but it's quite popular still in Asia, and it was popular back in Cook's day, and you can enjoy reading about it. So anyway, that's a, a short review and introduction to both Cook's book, The Seven Sisters of Sleep, and Internet Archive. I hope you enjoy this experience, and I encourage you to poke around Internet Archive if you're ever looking for old magazines, old books, recordings, videos. It's all there, and it's just wonderful and free. So that's tonight's episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself on a short version of Psychedelic Alex, and I will look forward to seeing you all very soon. Take care. Thank you.